welcome back to the Grave Consequences Podcast, a part of the Social Suplex Podcast Network. As you all know, this show drops every Thursday morning at 6.30 a.m. Central Time. Check out all the other great shows on this network. And also check me out every Wednesday night after AEW Dynamite on Eddie and Caleb's HeroCast. That's where me and my friend Eddie, we go back and we review these hero movies. We're into like the, the early 2000s now. In fact, we just last recorded our X2 episode. Uh, for reference, the recording date is April 16. Um, Greg, we have um, we're, 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 uh, we recorded X2. A couple weeks ago, we recorded Spider-Man. But now we're about to hit another dip, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's... Um, I don't look forward to that. Like, looking at the list, like, everything from, like, 2006 to, like, basically until Iron Man came out, which is a bigger list than some may think, but pretty much everything everything in that two-year period sucks. Well, people, uh, and when people compared Marvel movies to DC movies, they're always like, why can't they do it like Marvel did it? Uh, but they forget all the bad Marvel movies that came out mm-hmm. until Iron Man was the catalyst to good Marvel movies. Like, they were decent at best before that. Like, I remember... Uh, the first X Men is not good. It's not. I dis. I disagree. Well, I if if you're a big time fan of the comics, it's like Storm's not like Storm. It, it, I don't want to. We, we don't. This isn't the comic book podcast. But the best one I can think of was X Men Two. Yeah. Before Iron Man, I can't think of another Marvel movie that was anywhere near as good. Well, it, it's a Marvel property, even though it was done by uh, Sony. But Spider Man. Oh yeah, I, yeah, you're right. I completely forgot about Spider-Man. But other than that, though, yeah, right. No, it's been the uh, the cupboard has been pretty much empty. Like we uh, we discussed, you know, X X Two, Spider-Man, Blade, the the episode you were on. Those are like pretty much the only good Marvel movies we've seen so far. No, and you haven't even have you done Daredevil and Elektra yet? Because we count. did Dare we did Daredevil. Uh, Elektra is in that 2005 time period. Um. Oh man! Uh, first, first Marvel movie. The first Marvel movie that a lot of people may not um, know this answer is actually Howard the Duck. Howard the Duck, technically. Yeah. Uh, there's the Fantastic Four movies, which the first one I enjoy. The second one's, yeah, you know, it's. Yeah. I don't know if I could I could get through it. And then yeah. you also have. Uh, we said Dare, Daredevil, Electra, and there's something else I'm, I, I just had on the tip of my tongue that wasn't that great. Well, there's two in the 90s that are really bad that like barely qualified for our list. In fact, I think one of them didn't even make theaters over here. But there was a 1990 Captain America, and there's like a 1989 Punisher with Dolph Lundgren as well. See that when you I've never seen the Dolph Lundgren one, but if you told me there's a Punisher with Dolph Lundgren, I kind of think it's going to be good. It was not. See, that's weird to me. That's weird. Yeah. Um, it just seems like it's kind of a slam dunk. But Plus, uh, you know, there, there was a, a spoiler alert in scene. You get to see his ass. So he didn't quite, he didn't quite hang dong, but you did get to see some cheeks. When did the uh, Tom Jane Punisher come out? Because that's one of my favorite Marvel movies that people forget about. 2004. Have you reviewed that one yet? No, we go in chronological order. Well, I mean, what year are you at? That's kind of what I was asking. Uh, 
2003 right now. Like, I think we've got one more movie in 2003. That would be Hulk. And uh, then we go into 2004. Yeah, Hulk's pretty rough. Yeah. Uh, and it's unfortunate because they also kind of went into things that most people didn't know about Hulk, his mm-hmm. character. And people were like, why would they add this? It's not how the Hulk is. And it actually was, like, with his suppressed memories of child abuse and, and stuff and an angry dad. But, yeah, you got a lot of crap you got to go through. I'm trying to think. There's another movie they made uh, that wasn't very good. Blades were good. Uh, mm-hmm. Punisher's good. Daredevil and Elektra's bad. Uh, X-Men, hit or miss, but X-Men 2 is great. I love X-Men 2. Uh, mm-hmm. X-Men 3 is a good, bad movie. Like, I, it's objectively <laughs> bad, but I enjoyed it. Yeah. Uh, you know the guy that's throwing those spikes at Wolverine when they're running through the woods? You remember that <laughs> scene? That's supposed to be Omega Red. Oh, really? And if you know who Omega Red is, you know that's just wrong. (laughs) Oh, man. So, I guess we can get started on Season 1, Episode 35 of Lucha Underground. I guess. Yeah, I suppose. this. uh, Man, real quick. They are limping to the finish line. Like, really bad. They really are, and... It's almost like they want to. It's almost like they have to kill time until Ultima Lucha because this is a long yeah. season. I feel like they could have cut these episodes and just gone right into it. Yeah, I feel like for everything else they're gonna do, they could have done the uh, after the Drago and Mil Muertes episode. They could have done one more episode, got all the shit, all the good shit, and they needed to get in for you know from between that time period and Ultima Lucha, and been just fine. I think you're right, and I and I don't think it it helps at all that they're trying to shoehorn these feuds that started in the beginning of this season right at the end. Especially like I'm talking about Blue Damon Jr. Like mm-hmm. it, he's gone for like a majority of the season, right? Yeah. And he just comes but right at the end. He's in two. He's in two episodes. Then he's gone. Then he comes back in like episode twenty, whatever. And yeah, and it it doesn't work because. Unless you are, it only works for people that already know who he is and are invested. But for new fans like me, when at the time and even now, uh, his rivalry with Chavo means nothing to me, mm-hmm. even if it does have some authentic ties to a feud between the families and and you know Mexican lucha libre. Mm-hmm. They haven't done anything with it, and it's not like he's a you know a spring chicken. He's not going to be doing a lot of cool moves. He's, he's getting older. Yeah. It, and then he's with Chavo. Yeah. So it's, it's, and I guess they're doing it with Tejano. And they're, in, well, in a look, way, they're making Tejano look great. <laughs> we'll, we'll get into that for sure. Um, but yeah, this episode was titled Fuel to the Fire. Do you have a, do you have a subtitle? Um, an I th- alternate title? What was I going to? I did. I'd have to look at our messages. But uh, I don't know. Oh, I was going to name it after the Fuel song. Shimmer. Or... Uh, Hemorrhage. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Oh, man. Oh, what's a good fuel lyric? Oh, man. I can't think of any other lyrics right now. All that shimmers is sure to fade. There we go. Away in the end. Yes. All mm. right. <laughs> First thing we see on this show is Pentagon doing some training and then he's posing and talking to his master and we only see a shadow and we hear a distorted voice and um you know he said like i wanted to give you my greatest sacrifice 
And you know what? I will. I will give you Ian Hodgkinson. That's what he is. So, so he's calling Vamp by his real name now. Um, so <laughs> I got to be honest. Obviously, I know where this goes. Upon first watch, I had no clue it was going to go there. Mm-hmm. I kind of called it the first time I watched it. I was like, watch this be who I think it is. And not that I'm, you know, not that I'm proud of it. Yeah. Uh, but it just seemed like one of the things I was like, watch it be this guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. For those that don't know, the uh, the master was actually Del Torborg. Um, <laughs> do you know who Del Torborg is? No. The kiss demon. Oh, man, that would have been better. <laughs> oh man so tonight oh by the way mexican dubweiser plays us in hell of a name as always hell of a name and tonight we're getting the first ever atomico's tag team match and my god they spent a lot of time building up a match you know what i'm saying it's a it's a nothing match with that is supposed to be story-based and i and we'll get to it what yeah. they're trying to do with it, but it, it just misses the mark because you're just so close to the finish line that it's like, I don't have time for your last minute yeah, entries into a feud, you know. Yeah. This was very, that main event, we'll talk about it, but the main event was very, like, the, the kind of main event you would see on Raw in, like, the middle of the summer in, like, the early to mid-aughts, you know? Mm-hmm. It was, like, I, nothing really on the line, you know, there's no real consequence here, it, but hey, it, it's loaded. You know, what? you 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 describe it better than I did because I didn't want to rag on WWE, but that was kind of the first thing I thought about was just that uh, it it's kind of has the names in it, mm-hmm. and you know they're out to beat each other, but there's really nothing, even like, though there it, should be. It's one of those things like this match because you know Lucha Underground aired at seven over here, eight o'clock over there, so like. At 9 o'clock Eastern, this match isn't going to matter. But mm. while it's going on, oh, cool, you got a, you got a lineup. I'd, I'd say that's fair. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So the first match of the night is the Mac versus Cage. Oh, and by the way, Matt Stryker referred to referred to the Mac as Lucho Ron Funches. Should <laughs> Mac be pissed? Um, I, I'm going to, with a few things that I, I find I've, I've realized in this match and I, and I realized at the same time I did the first time I watched and I subsequently forgot it. Uh, Max is a juggalo. Yeah. He has a juggalo tattoo on his shoulder, uh, which makes me question maybe his intelligence a little bit. Um, you know, getting a juggalo, the hatchet man tattoo, uh, Sorry to any juggalos, but you know you're you're putting yourself in in a bad company sometimes. <laughs> with mm-hmm. that, they're not the juggalos are not known for their wit and their intelligence. Yeah, yeah. no. Um, I mean, we we all know old superhuman is a juggalo. So <laughs> yeah, that kind of tells us what we need to know personally. So the very first thing I noticed is these guys were throwing hockey punches to start Zane and Owen style. I thought that was a nice touch, you know, it really built up like, Hey, there's heat here. You know, it's a good big, I, I wish I had paid a little bit more attention to this match. <laughs> uh, it's, and you know, uh, my work life is a little stressful right now, but it's, it, this had, 
good match elements in it. I mean, I loved Mac does this suplex, uh, a falling, walking vertical suplex. That's when you you get someone in the vertical suplex, you hold them up as if you're stalling, but you walk forward and slowly, you you walk a few steps before you fall back. Uh, yeah, I don't know why, but I always kind of love that move. And Cage does his own suplex. He just does a stalling suplex. He did which, a stalling suplex, and like in my head, I counted like ten. Yeah, it's it's. I kind of like the simplicity of certain moves and the, the the suplex. I don't know something about when you get someone in suplex and they walk forward. And Triple H did this a few times, I believe. I think he utilized this kind of vertical suplex. It's nothing super fancy, but it looks better than a regular suplex to me. Yeah. Just because oh, of the movements. Yeah, absolutely. And another thing is these guys, they're so fluid. It's like a... Um, like a light version of and now granted you know they're much heavier but like a very similar to ricochet and will osprey for example and their best of the super junior mess that they had yeah these are the big man version of that i can i can see that mm-hmm. very easily i mean these these guys have some good chemistry together with, with their they, few because mac came out of nowhere it's a, you know in lucha underground but he's already taking it to uh the cage and it's believable yeah, absolutely, dude. Absolutely. Uh, Cage, of course, hits that sick discus uh, clothesline word to Stan Hansen. And that, that only gets him a two, though. Because ultimately, the Mac wins this match, and he wins it with a schoolboy. So it's one of those, like, yeah, maybe Mac kind of stole the win. But, like, for me as a viewer, that's good because it means this feud probably gets to continue, man. It, it is, and I, I like that schoolboy roll-up because he, he did it from an Irish whip, and he yeah. kept going with it, and he used his other arm to kind of like arm to leg trap his legs, almost like an alligator clutch that uh, that one chick did in um, the Mae Young Classic. I forget her name, the blonde. Uh, uh, you know who I'm talking about. I can't place her right now. Well, she did the alligator clutch, which is where like, you kind of... Uh, you kind of, kind of like you know how uh, Colt Cabana jumps over and does the Superman pen, yeah, with his legs. He catches the other guy's legs with his legs. It's kind of like that, except for you don't jump all the way across. You just kind of lean over their legs and pin them. Huh? You hold on to like she. She kind of would wrap her her arms around their ankles and and slide over, and it's it it, it would be hard to kick out of that. Uh, and his schoolboy here was not just a regular schoolboy. He had an additional arm wrapped around. Cage's leg. So Cage was, he was pinned, right? Yes. Which I love pins that win, that you win with that are actually, not just you're laying on them, not just a lazy roll up, but you have actually like, they can't get out of it. It's almost like a submission move, right? Yeah. No, exactly. Did you see his Shining Wizard? Mac did a, a Shining Wizard off the turnbuckle. Oh my God. I, I don't remember it for some reason. I wish I would have. It was when he did that jumping knee. Off the top turnbuckle. Gotcha. If you gotcha. blinked, you missed it. Wow. I'll have to go back and check that out, dude. Um, Did you hear Vampiro's line about him, though? This uh, is the most he, important part. He made a lazy eye joke about him. Is that what that was? Because I didn't understand. Because he has a lazy eye? I never noticed. I, I, yeah, I was going to say I never noticed either. I assumed it was a lazy eye joke. Because he said he wanted to get Mac glasses so he knows which way he's looking. Yeah, that's... But it doesn't make sense. No, me either. Uh, I 
I assumed it's a lazy eye thing. I, I don't know. But, like, I've never seen Willie Mack with a lazy eye, so I don't know. Well, how would giving someone with a lazy eye glasses help you see where they're looking? I mean, I this know. that's a juggalo joke. And that goes back to what I was just saying. Whoop, whoop. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sorry. I'm not big on juggalo culture. That's just stupid is what I'm saying. It's a dumb joke. It's not, it's not funny. <laughs> Fair enough. Oh, by the way, Vampiro, and Vampiro didn't even mention it. Stryker did, but he's like, you know, you've done work with the Guardian Angels. It's like, what? Wait, Vampiro claims he did work with the Guardian Angels? Uh, I mean, Stryker claimed it, and then Vamp uh, co-signed it. Uh, why give him more things to lie about? <laughs> okay, whatever. Who knows, man. But after that match, Katrina snuck up on one-third of the trio's champion, Son of Havoc, and she had a message for him. She, she was a little flirty, but, you know, you know, you can clearly tell, oh, hey, it's Katrina. She's up to something. And, you know, she said, hey, a thousand deaths are, okay, like, you're, you're going to lose your trio's titles to, oh, and by the way, Greg, I figured out the name of the trio's, the Skull Wrestlers. The What's Disciples, that? it's the Disciples of Death. How did we not, yeah, I guess we should have picked up on that. I don't know how I didn't remember that, but yeah. Um, but yeah, she's like, hey, you know, they're going to come for your trio's titles. But before that, tonight, death is coming for you. In fact, a thousand deaths are coming for you. And um, Lise shows up behind Katrina. And uh, yeah, pardon me, I spaced out there for a second. Lise comes for Katrina goes to grab her and Katrina just teleports away because you know whatever she is it's not entirely human no she's like a goddess I think yeah yeah and uh, she teleports away lights go out lights come back on Evil and Son of Havoc are in a compromised position when Angelico comes in with his excellent comedic timing and says oh god please don't tell me you two are back together hmm Oh, and they all kind of, they both kind of like scoff at him. They go, oh, you. <laughs> laugh track, oh, that, that's our Angelico. <laughs> Just audience applause. They, if they had done that, that would have been great. We can take anything that goes our way. Sorry, that's the Growing Pains theme song. Uh, <laughs> why I picked that, I'm not sure. So before the interview where Vampiro interviews Pentagon Jr., we had a preview for Ultimate Lucha. We've only confirmed two matches so far. We have confirmed Alberto El Patron versus Johnny Mundo, and we have confirmed for the Lucha Underground Championship would be Prince Puma defending against Mil Muertes. So two matches confirmed, but we're going to add more. I think we're going to add at least one more tonight. At least one more tonight, and I think Ultimate Lucha is like two nights, right? Uh... Okay, I wasn't gonna. I was gonna save that until Dario said it on air. But yes, oh my uh, bad. <laughs> it's all good. It's all good, dude. Ultima Lucha is two nights. It or it is two parts. So, episode thirty-eight and thirty-nine will be Ultima Lucha. So, <clears throat> after that preview, we've got Vampiro interviewing Pentagon Junior. And Vampiro, before it can even start, and I said it about Superfly two weeks ago. Um. Vampiro apologizes to Pentagon like a little cuck bitch. Yeah, and it's not even sincere, really. No, it's clearly not. It's clearly one of those like, oh, I don't want to, 
I don't want to ruffle your feathers, Pentagon. But I think you suck. <laughs> but you, oh my god! I was gonna say though, this is uh, you could. This is like one of my conspiracy theories, like where I say like you could claim that they planned certain things out to make other things look better. Yeah. Like you could say like Vampiro, they they orchestrated all the interviews to make it so Vampiro had the last laugh, so that they could lead up to this one because this is the best Vampiro interview the whole season because Pentagon puts him in his fucking place. He asks him a question. He just stares at him and just rolls his eyes and looks away. Yeah. And he gets in his face. He puts his finger in Vampiro's face. He doesn't put up with any of his bullshit. Mm-hmm. I, I think this is what people – this is a main contributing factor to what made people like Vampiro or uh, Pentagon. Because even before this, like there there isn't so much going on. Like He does have a great aesthetic. He has a great look. He, he wants to hurt people. People like violence. But this is when it was like uh, – not uncomfortable, but you felt the tension. You and you just have he has the aura of a guy that's just he'll fuck Vampiro up, right? Yeah, he comes, he exudes that kind of confidence. And I don't know about you, but seeing this the second time, I I loved it. Yeah, so you know, you mentioned all those things that have that Pentagon has that, that are helping get him over, but one thing you you failed to mention. And it's so simple, and it's it, it's almost cheating because, like, anyone can get one, and it'll really help out. But, like, some sort of helpful chant or a catchphrase, you know, like, Cerro Miedo still is to this day. But, like, even – and, you know, people aren't super big on him in retrospect, but, like, Ryback was, like, over, over with a freaking shoulder twitch and a feed me more, you know? Oh, you're definitely right about that. And, and the Cerro Miedo is a great phrase, and – uh, it's a great chant, and it, it's so crazy that it's so close to no fear mm-hmm. that I was. I remember watching this first time, being like, "That's never gonna get over. That's too close <laughs> to no fear." Like the Calvin and Hobbs, where he's pissing the decal on cars. You always see where he's pissing on something. <laughs> I was like, "This is too close to that 1990s edgy bullshit. There's no way it's gonna get over." I was wrong. <laughs> hey, I get it, man. I've been wrong about things before. Pretty rare, but I have been. Um... <laughs> yeah, it doesn't so... happen a lot. Vampiro, the first question he asked, and, you know, good journalist, yes, who's the master? And Pentagon didn't answer. And not only did Pentagon not answer, but it's amazing to me because he's wearing the mask, he's wearing the paint and everything. And he doesn't look pissed. He doesn't look intense or anything. He looks to be in thought. And mm-hmm. I've never seen Pentagon in thought before. This was a very different Pentagon. Like his or his energy wasn't, he has, he has more confidence. Mm-hmm. There's a silent killer confidence inside him, which is. You can just feel it. Yeah. He doesn't Pentagon respect Vampiro at all. Yeah, no, he does not. Not not what Vampiro has become, anyway. Because mm-hmm. he even says, like, hey, we were so much alike, and now you're just a coward. <laughs> I love this. Also, Vampiro on his delivery, it sounds really rushed. Uh, he's not super great from a script. No, I, I, I liked how he, he... I don't know how orchestrated this was uh because i he, he could maybe he was caught off guard with someone not being intimidated with him mm-hmm. uh because other interviews people are just kind of like being a little bitches frankly yes. to him and the and pentagon is just and they, like i said they could have orchestrated it like we're like hey this interview's got to go differently yeah <laughs> vamp you can't you can't bury this dude you got he he has to be the one that you get over <laughs> and uh, maybe his instincts, maybe that fought against his instincts to get himself over so much that he maybe was a little frazzled. 
Okay, Vampiro claimed to be a 32-time world champion. Where? Who knows? And maybe he's using world in that, like, well, I won the world television championship, and I won the world uh, U.S. championship, and the world whatever championship. But who knows, man? Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know if he, I don't think he won a lot of titles in WCW. Yeah, maybe he just won a bunch. Maybe he won like the AAA equivalent of the 24-7 title a bunch of times. <laughs> 31 times. <laughs> oh, and then the, van- the, the interview is about to end and Pentagon basically reiterates the Vampiro is a coward. They get nose to nose and Pentagon leaves unscathed, untouched. The Pentagon is, uh, you know, we, we always say it, man, I'd love to see him used even more in AEW. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So next up, we had Mil Muertes versus Son of Havoc. And the first thing I noticed is that the trio's champions, at least two-thirds of them, being Ivelisse and Son of Havoc, are very, mu- very much very over. Yeah, this this is at the highlight of the, the of their uh, trio's group grouping. Uh, mm-hmm. They're all over. Even Ivelisse, despite her best efforts. Yes. And I would love to give a rant oh, about her in AEW. Me, let me ask you, because apparently she got released because AEW mistreated her. Uh, I would like to get your thoughts on that real quick. Oh, well, I, I found out uh, through on Reddit. I, I posted in the group chat um, that people that had gotten past the paywall for, uh, I don't know, with Sean. Yeah. Uh, she just didn't get along. The, the, she had beef with the agents and the bookers and the backstage talent. <laughs> <laughs> like she just wasn't getting along with people. Of frankly. course, of course she wasn't. And if you saw her match against uh, Thunder Rosa, which is very weird, because have we already told what? Have we already told the audience that Thunder Rosa will be in Lucha Underground? Uh, I think so, but yeah, guys, like, we're gonna see an Ivelisse and Thunder Rosa match on this show. And there's no known beef between them that I can think of. Thunder Rosa seems like she gets along with every, like, she kind of blew up the women's division at AEW a little bit. Like, people are talking. A little bit, yes. And she gets, she had matches with a lot of people, they liked her, and she, her and Britt Baker, I love that match. Uh, so, and Ivelisse has not done that. Yeah, no. So I, feel, I've, I was feeling bad for Diamante because I didn't want her to be kind of like lumped in with Ivelisse. And at this point, you know, Ivelisse, I don't know what to say about her. If it, she, she has nowhere to go. <laughs> yeah. Really. Yeah. I mean, uh, maybe Impact would sign her, but I don't think they will. Um, <clears throat> oh, one thing I noticed, and, you know, obviously like Mil Muertes is bigger. But like Son of Havoc, if you get rid of the beard, he's like a miniature Mil Muertes. Dude, I thought the whole I thought the same thing. I was like, wow, they're kind of the same build. It's just one is the lightweight version. Exactly. And like oddly enough, even though I'm pretty sure, you know, Mil Muertes is at least a little bit Mexican because his name is Ricky Banderas, I think Son of Havoc might have a little bit of a better tan. Maybe. <laughs> but that could be spray on tan. <laughs> That's fair enough, yeah. That's fair enough. I don't know enough. if you saw uh, AEW, but I think it was one of the recent episodes. Matt's uh, spray tan was leaking, kind of like uh, Mayor Giuliani <laughs> on his face. Yeah, MJF, MJF is known to have a shitty spray tan every now and again. Now, every now and again? He's always orange. I think he's doing that on purpose. Maybe. maybe. For some Trump heat or something. 
<laughs> He's the kind of guy that would do it. I guess, yeah, I guess. Oh, and by the way, uh, here's a football analogy for you because Son of Havoc, throughout this entire series, whether it's against Pimpinella Escarlata or Sexy Star or Masquerita Sagrada or Johnny Mundo or Mil Muertes or anyone else on the roster, he always plays to the level of his competition. So in that way, he's kind of like the Pittsburgh Steelers of Lucha Underground. He's He definitely is someone that rises to the level of his opponents. He rises uh, and he falls to the level of his opponents. That's the thing. Yeah, I'm, I'm, it's crazy that Ivelisse got to AEW before he did. Yeah, I... Bro, I, I've said it before, like, and Youngboy pointed it out. It's like, yeah, like, he's older. He's, like, shorter than short. He's full of gray hair. Like, like I get why a TV company wouldn't want to sign him, but... He's so talented. They have Billy Gunn. <laughs> if, if nothing else, like they have sign Sting, Matt, sign Matt Cross to be like a producer, like because he can be an asset for sure. I mean, they have Luther. I mean, they have plenty of guys that are old. Jericho, and I and I'm not comparing him directly to Jericho. I'm just saying, like, if his age is a factor, that that wouldn't make too much sense. I guess. I mean, my real criticism is when he was on that AEW All Inch. I I don't remember which AEW show he was on, but he was fighting it against. It was uh, uh, it was All In. It was the pre uh, the predecessor to AEW. Was he fighting Sammy G or was he fighting MJF? It wasn't a good match. Hmm. Okay. I mean, it was a, it was it, not a bad match, but it was just okay. I don't know if you remember it, but it didn't hmm. wasn't it was just what? flip. It wasn't even the best flippy shit. So uh, his build height is 5'7", so he's probably a shoot 5'5". Five five. Uh, <laughs> he might be shorter. He could be. Uh, one of his ring names was, and I'm, uh, I'm on his Wikipedia, one of his ring names was the 18th Amendment. All right. Uh, I need to do some brushing up on my constitution. <laughs> we can Google that real quick, because that's kind of a, I mean, was he being political? Or, like, it seems like a weird thing, 18th. Uh, prohibition. Prohibition, uh, prohibition of alcohol. So I think prohibition would have just been a better name, like franchise, or you know. Yeah, who knows? Whatever. Anyway, either way, all, while all this is going on, there's a good match going on, and Katrina eventually uses her wiles on Angelico, and she even. Sorry, I'm getting spammed by a group chat right now. She even manages to uh, choke out Ivelisse, and the Disciples of Death take down Angelico. But then Son of Havoc dives onto the Disciples of Death. But hey, at this point, like, okay, you, you've taken care of the Disciples of Death. Katrina is kind of out of the picture at the moment. But Mil Muertes is still out there, and you get a spear, a tackle, a tackle spear, and a flatliner. And Mil Muertes gets the win. It was a, it was a good match. I mean, it, if you remember uh, Ivelisse when she was getting choked out by uh, Katrina, she wasn't resisting. It was almost like she was possessed. Like, she just allowed it to happen. Because her leg's broken. Her her arms aren't broken. Yeah. Uh, it it was a it was supposed to invoke that Katrina can mesmerize you even if you're female, <laughs> mm -hmm. um, 
it kind of like the mask. Kind of like that, yeah. I um, I wish I had paid more attention to and liked this match more because it was a good match, but uh, ultimately, I don't know where, what it really does for anybody. Yeah, I mean, it just gets another um, <laughs> gets another win under the belt of uh, Mil Muertes before Lucha or Ultima Lucha. It does, and I guess it does make it seem like they're more vulnerable to the three uh, disciples of death, uh, which is good. I mean, there's there's story reasons why they did it, but uh, we're just I think it goes back to what we said earlier. We're just so close to the end. It's like, just do the match. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So after this match, Tejano is in the ring. This is after commercial, by the way. Tejano doesn't just like come out to the ring when Mil Muertes is out there. He's not crazy. Uh, but Tejano is out in the ring and he claims that he is Mexicano and he loves hurting people and breaking bones and whipping ass. Um, why he needed to say all three of those things, I don't know. He says, you know, I am a cheater, but unlike a Guerrero, I never turn on my raza. Uh, that means race, by the way, for those of you who are uncultured and don't take Duolingo lessons like I do. So he's racist, one. Uh, but before <laughs> that, he says that... Um, he said, I, even my own family doesn't trust me, my own brother... But hey, I don't betray Mexicans. It's like, well, he kind of just did. Yeah, I he guess. It was. It was for me. It was kind of like this is a this is a uh, this is a promo that's stuck in time a little bit, where <laughs> yes. it made sense at at the time because people were still being edgy. It was still anti-hero everything. You yeah. know, uh, people wanted to root for the anti-hero. But nowadays, I think everyone sees the anti-hero as you know kind of corny sometimes uh sometimes the anti-hero yeah. is actually just a bad guy and you know it, it didn't make sense I, I get the viva la rasa but um mm-hmm. you know you, you you just said you betray your family just like a guerrero so how are you different yeah exactly exactly oh tejano the tough guy that he is he says he wants chavo at ultima lucha and he says i don't care if your leg is broken i'm gonna break your other leg what a tough guy. That's a good one, though. I do like that. Yeah, for sure. For sure. It's at this point that the crew, of course, uh, Mr. Cisco and <coughs> Cortez Castro, um, pardon me, Mr. Cisco and Cortez Castro jump Tejano. Oh, by the way, Matt Stryker does mention that Chavo tore his hamstring, for what it's worth. Oh, he did. I missed that because I was wondering why Chavo was. Uh... Absent. So he was he was shoot hurt the previous yeah. episode. You're right. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. Uh, and while the beatdown is going on, Blue Damon Jr. comes in and makes a run in and makes the save for Tejano. But then, and they, this was really bad. They they could have edited this. They tipped their hand really early. Uh, Mr. Cisco passes a ch- grabs a chair and then passes it in the ring. Okay, logically. Why would anyone give a chair to a guy they expect wants to beat them up? That doesn't make any sense at all. Are you? Do you have a second point, or were you? Oh no, no, no! The point being that yeah, of course he passes the chair to Blue Damon, and Blue Damon uses it on Tejano. Yeah, I guess I didn't notice that because I was already not invested in the story, <laughs> and I already knew what was going to happen. Um. I don't know, man. I can't really get invested in this story. 
yeah it's uh <clears throat> yeah it's not not good it's not good oh my gosh i mean when tejano is the best part of your feud yeah Come exactly on. at one point and it's when blue damon is hitting tejano with the chair and a loud fan near the ring mic says what the hell man <laughs> they got some good uh do you think maybe they splice some of that in? Because I think some, so, sometimes yeah. it's too perfect. I think so, yeah. I think so. But yeah, chair shots, kendo stick shots, and uh, Blue Damon says, you know, you're not Mexico. I am Mexico. Oh, pardon me. Yo soy Mexico, as it were. And, it's such uh, a Blue- sudden, sudden feud over such a small, Well, it's slight. Bro, like, I don't want to be a... Look, I don't want to let the genie out of the bottle and, you know, show the man behind the curtain. But, like, it's clearly one of those cases of they were going to go Chavo Tejano, and then Chavo got hurt. Ah, I can see that. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. So, it looks like, because Blue Damon lays down the challenge, he says, you know what? Blue Damon Jr. versus Tejano at Ultima Lucha. So, now we've got three matches for Ultima Lucha. And now we've got our main event, and boy, oh boy, this one was star-studded for the most part. We've got the Technicos of Alberto El Patron, Sexy Star, Aerostar, and Drago. Versus the Rudos of Johnny Mundo, Hernandez, Jack Evans, and ugh, Superfly. <laughs> I like how you added Superfly. That's yeah. how I feel. That's I mean, I'll... I Oh, and by the way, Berto slapped the shit out of Jack Evans. He did. I feel bad for Jack. I mean, maybe he agreed to that. Um, Mm -hmm. But, you know, I wouldn't have wanted to take that slap. Dude, I'm going to be straight up honest with you, bro. I stopped taking notes after the interview with Pentagon because everything after that was just like, you know. Yep. No, you're absolutely right. Um, I don't – we were talking about this, and we were talking about if this is – RLPW, uh, which line of pro hope wrestling? It's not. I it's fucking n- hope it's not because this it's is not. terrible. No, it's not because it wasn't good enough. Like mm-hmm. uh, RLPW has to like I don't know if you remember the gift that was put in the group chat, but the uh, <clears throat> it was the springboard toxic rana guy springboarded backwards onto a guy and did a poison rana. It was a corkscrew. It was he did a corkscrew spin too. Uh, so we're it has to be. It has to be Osprey, Phoenix, uh, or Ricochet levels of Flippy. Yeah. This didn't have that. Even, I think this might have been the match where Aerostar did that stupid thing that took forever. I think I complained about it. It was too too much. Dude, there was like a full, at one point, there was like 20 seconds of dudes basing. Yeah, and just waiting. There was this one moment where Jack Evans had to sit there and stare at Aerostar when he... It was just too much. Like this isn't. I don't think he. I don't think Rich would like this match. And this isn't the match I would expect him to even get through because it's. It's the editing was bad. Uh, Drago was. I think it was Drago. There was a few people that were having trouble being on the same page of others. Uh, a little. It was a little janky. The editing was bad. I think. Uh, and there's there's no good. I mean there there there's moves in there, but there's nothing extraordinary about any of the, no. the moves done uh the, even the ones that we're talking about of aerostar who normally does i like aerostar flippy stuff it's like some yeah. of the few flippy stuff but it was just too much it was too 
too much waiting around for for some for, by someone else waiting to catch him. Uh, it wasn't even great. Um, I think the best thing he did was the the plank splash he does out like. Um, yeah. You know, it's so funny to me that like the, you know they do all these spots and shit, and Johnny even hits Finde Mundo on Alberto, and the finish comes when Johnny gets a roll up on Sexy Star. He grabbed her panties too to do it. Yeah, I don't know if you noticed that. I did notice that, but yeah, no, it's you know they do all this high divey flippy bullshit, and then they end it with a roll a roll through. What? Yeah, I that that kind of takes it away from me too because I, I would like it when they if they would go back to where you can actually get hurt doing like it's actually a risk there's no risk in doing flippy shit besides no. the real world but in in kayfabe there's really no risk like yeah you're both winded you're both on the floor but it'd be great if they started incorporating like hey this guy did a dive and now he's out of the match yeah right? he hurt himself uh but having said that like it all this match was trying to do was Patron chasing Johnny Mundo, Johnny Mundo running away. It's just, for me, I don't care about chicken shit heels, bro. I don't know about you, but it doesn't build heat for me. I mean, in certain contexts, chicken shit heels can do it for me, but, you know. Sometimes. But Mundo's never been a chicken shit heel. No. Is he really afraid of Patron? He's already fought him. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. you know, like what's Patron gonna do? Throw his head through a window? Well, he's ha- he's done that to Patron. Like, I mean, what? It, it it to me it didn't make sense. Like, I'll give you a New Japan. Like, uh, Jay White's a chicken shit heel, right? Yeah. But he's he's still gonna fight them. He's not. He he'll run away till he has the advantage. Like it's yes. it's cowardly, but it's there's a strategy involved. Mundo was just running away the whole time. He steals a pin. He runs away again. You've built Alberto up enough. He doesn't need to look any more stronger. He doesn't. Yeah. I mean, do you feel like this was needed to make Patron look stronger? It made Mundo look weaker, which I think was a mistake, right? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, ugh, this... it's an it's an abrupt change to a chicken shit heel, and it's like you could have gradually have done that. That would have been fine, but this is kind of abrupt. Yeah. Oh. And two more things real quick. Vampiro, being, you know, as dated as he is, he references Lou Gehrig at one point in time. <laughs> and also, Matt Stryker implies that Marty Elias slowed down the count when, uh, when Hernandez had uh, Aerostar pinned. I didn't even notice. Yeah. Which ultimately didn't matter because the Rudos ended up winning the match. And, uh, you know... The Rudos are celebrating. We're getting the post-show recap. They're running credits like, oh, my God, the show's over. That really fucking sucked. When all of a sudden, okay, the, the camera shot, the camera shot, pardon me, gets a little tighter than usual. Not too tight, but a little tighter than usual. Pentagon comes out of nowhere. Thrust kick. Roundhouse kick, rather. Right to Ian Hodgkinson, as it were. And uh, Ian then gets hit with a chair multiple times over the back. Pentagon says he's going to dedicate this sacrifice to his master. And this man, <laughs> okay, and uh, initially this was, like, the first time I saw it, this was really cool. And it was still pretty cool the second time, but one thing that did kind of take a few points down is that the drum was labeled gasoline. <laughs> like, like, people are too stupid to figure out what's in the drum. 
it's funny you say that because I remember thinking rewatching it the second time I was like wow what kind of Looney Tunes I was like wrestling is so fucking cartoony like we got to have a gas can that says gasoline they always use the aluminum trash cans from like back in the 70s they can't use like regular I mean regular trash cans are plastic it probably wouldn't be as impressive but you know what I mean like everything has to be you got to spell it out for your fans and it's just Mm -hmm. I mean as soon as he pulls out a lighter I know if, if it's shaped like a gasoline can even the stupidest person's going to know. Exactly. Exactly. But he pours that gasoline all over Vampiro. And he says, you know what? If you don't accept my challenge, the world and your family will see you burn. You have one week. And the whole time he's saying this, Vampiro is holding, a, or pardon me, Pentagon is holding a lighter. He'd light him on fire if he could. Yeah. He's crazy. That's pretty, like, I remember seeing that. I was like, this is fucking hardcore, man. Like, oh, my God, that's wild. It's a pretty big moment for Pentagon. This is probably the moment that changes his career more so than what actually comes of it, even though Uh that that helps. Uh, uh, There's not much more to say. It's just it's really cool seeing Vampiro get beat up and almost burned alive. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I just wish they would have gone one step further. Um, <laughs> hold on one second. Oh, by the way, we're going to rate or we're going to grade this episode. Before you do you that, though, because... before yeah. you do that, though, there was one line by Stryker. <laughs> the best part about the previous match was that he had to talk. He had to talk about each person's rivalry. <laughs> he got to Hernandez and he's like, Hernandez is out here to try to prove to the fans that dragons aren't real. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I love this feud, dude. This is a per- this. Dude, I do. I just love that the whole like, oh, you you idiot, marks. Uh, dragons aren't real. I love that. And and that's the basis. And they just and it's Drago, so it's going to be a good match. I I'm pretty sure this is going to be a good match between them. I don't think it is yeah. a dud. Please tell me, dude. If it's I love. I I can't remember, but I know I love Sean Hernandez. Uh, yeah, he's my he might be one of my he's as he's he's at least one of my MVPs of this season, at least. If not, well, he's the, definitely not, not not an MVP for me, but definitely like an unsung hero or like a, uh, I wouldn't say comeback player, but like rejuvenated, the, the shockingly most successful guy I've seen. Yep. Um. Okay. So, what do you grade this episode, Greg? Probably a D. Uh, I'm gonna go C plus, or pardon me, not C plus, C minus purely because of that very last segment yeah i i it's this is one of those things where it's really for me it's just that one segment is good and i would just tell someone to watch that segment and i would tell them to skip the episode so i have to give it a d um because i'm 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 rating the show overall and unfortunately as good as that segment is and as pivotal 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 (laughs) it is for pentagon's career it's just the rest of the show is just—it's nothing, frankly. No, no, it's not. It's 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 less than nothing. It's very bad. Okay, so folks, that was episode thirty-five of the Grave Consequences podcast. Remember, check us out every Thursday morning, six thirty a.m. on the Social Suplex Podcast Network. Search for us, the Grave Consequences podcast, or Social Suplex Podcast Network wherever you download your podcast. If you listen on Apple Podcasts, please rate, review, and subscribe. Give us those five stars. Give us 
give us more if you can. That'd be awesome. We have several other shows on the Social Suplex Podcast Network as well. None as great as ours, of course, but still very good. Still very good. First off, we've got 8-Bit Suplex that is hosted by Heel Josh Number 2, Josh McLaughlin, and Shooter Santos, Sandy Gaviria. That is Impact Wrestling and Video Game Based. And by the way, Impact Rebellion coming up into the month, uh, I think, will drop before... That pay-per-view will drop before this episode, if I'm not mistaken. But Mauro Ranallo is going to be on commentary for that pay-per-view. I saw that. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I don't know I don't know if it's just for the world title match or for the entire show, but either way, that's still pretty cool. I think it's I'm for just a- that title match, because that's, that's how the graphic looked to me. It said, for the title match, Mauro. That's fair enough. That's fair enough. Hopefully I'm wrong. Uh, I mean, I'm not a huge Mauro Ranallo fan, but it is pretty cool that they got him to do that. I just hope he got rid of his uh, bob because he had he, a, he grew his hair out and it looked really bad. Yeah, it looked like the kind of haircut someone that has depression would get eventually. Um, oh, gee, now I feel bad. Well, yeah, I mean, well, it's COVID. So it was a COVID haircut, I think. Fair in enough, that, in enough. that, he didn't get his haircut in forever. Uh, yeah. But, uh, and I mean, like emo <laughs> kind of haircut. Yeah. Okay. Uh, what was oh crap he made me lose my train of thought oh i like morrow but i sometimes he is very corny mm-hmm. absolutely so if you like aew uh all elite wrestling and content based on that program you can check out all things elite hosted by floyd johnson jr and austin Summerwitz. of course grave consequences you're listening to that right now if you want to listen to some fellows talk about great matches in wrestling, listen to Great Match Generator hosted by DJ Cooks and his gaggle of friends. You know, that's a good time. Grown Men Watch This Shit. That is independent wrestling based. That is hosted by Chris Thangs and James Vanderbeek of Angus fame. We've also got... Do you remember Angus, by the way? From ACDC? No, not Angus Young. Oh. Then no. The kid who wore the the kid who wore the purple suit to the dance or whatever. In in what? In the movie Angus. Oh no, I've never like, seen this movie. James Vanderbeek was a bully, and I think uh, what's what? his name? Not, not Turtle, but um, Eric, I guess from. Uh, I guess he went by E in Entourage. Oh, when does this movie? When, when, did, when did this movie come out? This, sounds this crazy. is like mid nineties, dude. Mid nineties, and I think Kathy Bates was his mom. Bro, I I don't remember this movie at all. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's one of the unsung heroes of the James Vanderbeek filmography, right up there with Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. Um, mm. If you want New Japan pro wrestling based programming, you can listen to Keeping It Strong Style, hosted by. The boss, Jeremy Donovan, and the young boy, Josh Smith. Of course, the original show here on the network, the very first show, we've got One Nation Radio. That is WWE, AEW, politics, sports, life-based programming, hosted by Rich Latta and James Boyd. Last, definitely not least, if you want to listen to AEW, WWE, just wrestling in general content, covered by... Uh, people with an international flair you can listen to the ricky and clive wrestling show hosted by two men who use pseudonyms known as ricky and clive that is the entire catalog of the network i did a pretty good job this week didn't i greg 
Yeah, I think so. I'd say so. Thanks, pal. Thanks. It means a lot. Even if you said no, I was going to be like, oh, he's full of shit. Um, <laughs> It'd been funnier if you still said it. I'm like, oh, fuck you. You're full of shit. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, real quick, you know, and obviously a lot can change in two years, but we, we've discussed before. We've talked Dojo Pro. We've talked Wrestling Society X. Um, Ring Warriors, WWE's ECW. What are some other? And I know we got to get out of here pretty soon. But what are some other, you know, shows we could talk about once once this runs its course? You know. Yeah, I think overall, I I think I would like. I don't know how many people are actually listening to this podcast, mm-hmm. uh, but I I'd be I'd be genuinely interested in, in in people's opinions, feedback. Like even if it's like, oh, you know, Maserati sucks. I hate him. He's grading. Mm-hmm. He's the worst thing to ever exist. And I hope all the bad things in life happen to him and only him. Mm-hmm. I still want to kind of hear it because, uh, you know, there might be some constructive criticism in there. But I, I, I genuinely am curious what other people think of the show. Yeah. Um, because if there is something constructively we could change to make it better, I'm obviously on board to, yeah, to do that. Send, send all your hate tweets to at X Maserati and at I am Caleb B. Please. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, by the way, GC underscore cast is the the name for the podcast account, but I think I've tweeted from there twice. So good luck, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I don't think we're going to. I mean, there's been times. Maybe you can give me the login because there are some times when I want to tweet stuff out just from that identity, just in the realm of uh, stuff we talk about. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Man, what do you what do you think the chances are we can get? Who's that? Oh, who did I say was going to be the third Mike? She just got released, man. Uh, Chelsea Green. Yes. Oh my God, I'd love to have her on the show. She's yeah, great. That'd be great. That'd be great. She. I mean, we could only use her in season four, but that'd be great. Yeah. Well, what happened? Did she ever have a match in NXT? She had a couple. Yeah. Just just a couple. That's all they did with her. She had a cup of coffee, man. Dude, she's money. Yeah. Even though she says some things that aren't accurate about <laughs> New Japan at one point, uh, she's money. I could see her in AEW. But she probably will end up in AEW. Yeah. Go off. Well, I mean, just where else is she going to go? She's going to go to Impact? She's a little too Impact. good for Impact. Her her yeah. boyfriend works there. so Or her fiancé works Who's her fiancé? It's Ryder. She's not allowed on the show anymore. well okay on that note folks thank you for listening and all as always i want you to remember if you ever find yourself (laughs) i'm serious she's done if you ever find yourself engaged to matt cardona just remember as far as coming on this show goes there will only be grave consequences